One of my very first winters here at St. Sebastian, there was a lot of snow and ice on the church roof. And in the middle of the mass, during my homily, we heard this rumbling. And then there was a shadow cast over the windows that uh, flickered across everybody who was in here today. And then there was this loud crashing as the snow and ice from the upper roof landed on the lower roof. And everyone kind of jumped and then they kind of nervously laughed for a moment. And uh, the, I commented, because I knew no one was paying attention to my homily at that point, that, wow, for a second there, I thought the building was going to collapse. At the time, the architect's son, the son of the architect who designed this building, Mr. Robert Krauss, who also worked a little bit on the design of this building, was still alive and a mem member here. And he came up to me after Mass and in very serious terms said to me, Father, this building was built so that you could drop a tank on it and nothing would happen. Don't ever say that again. Okay. <laughs> and it is a very well-built building. Everyone who's working on the renovation mentions it. They say what fine condition it's in because of how well it was built. I also find it a very deceptive building. It looks very simple. If someone were to come in and just look for a moment and leave, uh, and someone said, can you describe the church really quickly? They would say, oh yeah, there's a big mosaic and some pretty windows. But there's a lot more going on with this building than first meets the eye. I give an art and symbol tour of our church, and we don't take our time. We're going pretty quickly, and even at that, it takes about two hours to give the tour. I'm planning on giving it again once our restoration is finished, and maybe we'll even put a little booklet together for people. Also, I think it's clever for being the type of building that our community built. Firstly, it was built just on the cusp, just before the Second Vatican Council. And it was done so well and with such foresight that very little needed to be done to this building once the Vatican changes hit in earnest. And secondly, I think it was wise to go in a completely different direction than all the other churches around us. You would never out Bernard St. Bernard. You would never out Vincent St. Vincent. You would never outmarry St. Mary. This is good building, St. Sebastian. It was well thought out, consistent, and integrated, and chock full of meaning for the observant person. But no matter how great a building a building may be, no matter how well built, how long will it really last? The O.C. Barber Estate in Barberton was said to be the most opulent estate between New York and Chicago, and it was torn down to build a Zier's discount department store. It didn't even really last the lifetime of its original occupants. The historic Old St. Paul downtown on University of Akron campus built in 1885, a type of architecture which originated in Akron. In 1885, that seems so, so long ago, an icon of Akron buildings recently burned down. The Browns 
have recently stated that they need a new stadium because their almost 20-year-old building is no longer adequate. But ponder even the buildings we think of as ancient, St. Peter Basilica, from which uh, Father Simone just came from visiting, was finished in the year 1626. And that seems old, 1626. But you know, Christianity was already around for over 1600 years already. So really, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that old. But all these great achievements of man are going to pass away. However, there is something that can be created by humans that does last, that is more beautiful and more important. And whereas this structure was probably largely built by men, this better creation is built by women. As Joseph Cardinal Menzetti tells us, a mother is the most important person on earth. She cannot claim the honor of having built Notre Dame Cathedral, but then again she need not. She has built something more magnificent than any cathedral, a dwelling for an immortal soul, the tiny perfection of her baby's body. And it's more than just the body. It's the formation of the whole person. Like this building, having good bones, as it were. There's also a lot of ornamentation, the artwork, that makes it unique and special and wonderful. And so it is with the baby. There is giving birth, giving the person good bones, right? But there's also giving them the ornamentation, the development of the soul, ornaments of goodness and truth and beauty, without which the body, though beautiful, should not be thought so. And unlike Chartres Cathedral or Notre Dame, the amazing thing about this creation is that it is eternal. That is part of what this Feast of the Ascension is about today, to let us know that Jesus shows us what is in store for us, a glorified body, and eternity in heaven. And this is not a unique case for Jesus. It is the foretaste and pattern of what is in store for each and every one of us. We will resurrect in our bodies, albeit a glorified body, just as Jesus did. And we too will be raised up to heaven for eternity. And in case you were thinking Jesus is the exception, because after all, yes, he was man, but he was also 100% God, we also have the assumption of Mary, who is a human being, just like you and I are. She is assumed into heaven bodily, and that is our future, how we were designed to be by the great architect. Everything else is going to pass, even our greatest and best-built cathedrals, even this earth will pass away. But not the baby you hold. This is a being that is eternal. What an amazing thing your child is. What an amazing thing you are, who were once held in your mother's arms. An eternal cathedral made of flesh. Yet, oddly today, our culture seems to say, motherhood, yeah, that, that's interesting, but what did you build? 
As mothers, says Nicole Johnson, we are building great cathedrals. And what do great cathedrals do? Great cathedrals lead us to God. Just think of this building. There are a million processes going on in this building right now to lead us to God. We, starting with the walls, we have the walls that's keeping all the distractions of outside at bay so that we can pay attention to what's going on right here. We have a roof over our head to keep out the rain today, right? And just in case that roof makes it too dark, we have lights so we don't have to worry about being able to see. Our chairs are telling us, you know what's important? We're supposed to be facing this way, right? You want to freak someone out? When everyone stands up, turn around and stare directly back at them. And what's going to be going through their mind is, didn't your mother tell you you're supposed to say face forward? Our windows even, if the windows should distract you from the mass, you'll notice they start in the back dark blue. And as you come forward, they turn more and more yellow until they're practically all yellow once you're up in the sanctuary. And the difference between blue light is that it doesn't let a lot of light in and, and yellow windows that let a lot of light in. So they're always telling you, look this way, right? Our mosaic is telling you, here's what we're supposed to be looking at and what's high and center. It's Jesus. It's the altar where the unbloody sacrifice of the Mass will take place in the tabernacle where Jesus is always present here with us, all focusing towards the Eucharist, all focusing towards God. This building is telling us exactly what we believe. And in raising sons and daughters in a similar way, it is possible that one day the world will marvel at what light this creation brought into the world, what beauty and what joy and what truth and what life, maybe in a million little silent ways, just like this building, pointing toward God. What potentials held in the arms of a mother, or maybe sitting next to you in these chairs, or maybe living in the next state, waiting to come to full bloom. On this side of the church, we have a window of St. Augustine, and then if you skip one, we have St. Monica, son, and mother. You know, St. Augustine was not a good boy. He was not a good young adult, right? He, was, he lived a rather wild life. And there was his mother praying for him, guiding him, calling him back for years and years. He said she cried for 10 years. And what happened? He became a Catholic. He becomes a bishop. He becomes a saint and he created some of our most important writings. What a cathedral of light that she built. Almost missing the mark, but not giving up. And like all buildings, we need constant maintenance, prayer, sacraments, instruction, encouragement, the sacrifices of invisible women, once again, says Nicole Johnson, our mothers and our mother figures. We thank God today for the creation of our own being, how marvelous we are as a human being. We give thanks that we do not lay in ruins or are used for lesser purposes, but that we stand as temples of the Holy Spirit and tabernacles of the Lord. And we ask for the insight and strength we need to maintain our structural integrity. And we thank God for the gift of our mothers who made it all possible, for whom we now offer up a prayer. 
name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Loving God, as a mother gives life and nourishment to her children, so you watch over your church. We pray for our mothers and for those who take care of us as a mother, for those who are living and those who have gone before us to heaven. Let the example of their faith and love shine forth in us and grant that we, their sons and daughters, may honor them always with a spirit of profound respect. We make this prayer through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.